this is the AW Forward podcast series, a partnership between Meta and Advertising Week. And this podcast is part one of a two-part series focused on youth and well-being. Today's session will explore how we partner with experts, design our policies, and build products for youth experiences on our technologies. I think as we all know, digital and technological innovations have reached new levels of speed and adoption in the last few decades. While many of us have seen this shift happen over time, young people today have grown up surrounded by technology. It is incredibly important that we are vigilant about the well-being of children and teens online. Personally, as a mother of two teenagers myself, 14 and 16, this is an area I care deeply about. We want to ensure that young people have positive, age-appropriate experiences on our platforms. This is a responsibility that we take seriously at Meta. Hi, I'm Samantha Stetson, Vice President of Client Council and Industry Trade Relations at Meta, where I focus on helping to make progress on the most important challenges and opportunities facing the advertising industry. I'm honored today to be joined by Vaishnavi Jay, Head of our Youth and Wellbeing at Meta for this important discussion. To start off, Vaishnavi, can you share with us a little bit about yourself, your role at Meta, and your team's approach to designing youth experiences? Thanks, Sam. I'm really happy to be here. I'm Vaishnavi, and as the Head of Youth and Wellbeing at Meta, I manage a team that works with product and policy teams, as well as external experts, to ensure that we're building safe experiences for young people. I also lead our work with the youth advisors, who are a group of experts in the fields of online safety, child development, and children's media, who share their expertise, research, and guidance with us. For example, they provide feedback on the development of new products and policies for young people. And some of our advisors include great groups like the Digital Wellness Lab, uh, Media Smarts, Project Rocket, and the Cyberbullying Research Center. We've been working for a really long time to create experiences on our platform that are safe and private for young people, but also fun and empowering. We've made massive investments on safety and security with more than 40,000 people working on these issues. And we've spent nearly $5 billion on safety and security in 2021 alone. To begin with, we build privacy and safety directly into our technologies, and we have a process in place that helps us apply the UN's Convention on the Rights of the Child into our product development. The convention emphasizes in particular that the best interests of the child should steer the creation of services, products, and experiences for young people. And our process guides our teams on how to apply this standard when they're develop developing digital experiences for people under 18 using our technologies. In addition to the best interests of the child framework, though, we also ground our approach in research and direct feedback from parents, teens, and experts. We tend to take a three-pronged approach when it comes to designing youth experiences, which I'll talk a little bit more about today. And these three prongs are responsible empowerment, age-appropriate safeguards, and data-driven innovation. So let's talk about responsible empowerment. We strongly believe that it's important to be responsibly empowering teens to enjoy the many benefits that our technologies can provide. 
Teens are using online technologies to express themselves, to stay in touch with family and friends, to find new passions and interests, and keep up with the creators, organizations, and public figures they admire. Beyond responsible empowerment, though, we also work to ensure age-appropriate safeguards are in place. And we take a holistic approach to protecting all people in our technologies, but especially teens. So we're constantly iterating on new features to further support them and that help parents have more involvement in their teens' experiences through parental supervision tools and resources. We recognize that teens require additional safeguards for their safety, privacy, and well-being, and our approach towards this is pretty expansive. Finally, to do both of these things well, we need to be constantly innovating, and that's why we're committed to, committed to data-driven innovation. And I'll give you an example here. Understanding age online is pretty complex for our industry. We can't rely only on IDs to verify age because many young people don't have them. So we need new solutions, and we've been testing age verification tools that are both accessible and privacy-preserving on Instagram. Right now, we're working on what we think are innovative ways to verify age, and we're investing in different technologies and systems to help us do so, which includes the use of machine learning. And we're going to continue exploring innovative technologies to provide these great age-appropriate experiences online and really help address some of the defining challenges for our industry. Oh, thanks, Vaishnavi. I really like the framework of thinking about it in those three buckets of responsible empowerment, age-appropriate safeguards, and then thirdly, innovation. It really um, helps to frame kind of how we are thinking about this at Meta. So thank you for sharing that. And I know, like, as I said earlier, you know, I'm a parent myself, so this discussion is absolutely critical. Um, and many of the parents that I know are really concerned about how extensive social media usage is and how it ultimately could affect a teen's mental health. Can you talk a little bit about how we're addressing these concerns? Absolutely. And I think that we know one solution is going to be the perfect solution here. So there are three major areas we're considering when we're developing our policies and our technologies for teens. So I'm going to talk about the policies we work on, the products that we build and the partnerships that we're forging to address some of these issues. Let's start with the policies. It's really important that our technologies are a place where people feel empowered to communicate, and we take our role seriously in keeping abuse off of the service. And that's why we've developed standards for what is and isn't allowed on both Facebook and on Instagram. For example, we don't tolerate bullying and harassment. It's one of our 14 core community standards. Because we recognize that bullying can be especially harmful for teens, our policies provide heightened protections for them. And uh, as, a, as a proof point of this, in the second quarter of this year, between 0.04% and 0.05% of content on Instagram was identified as bullying and harassment. And that equates to about four to five views per 10,000 views of content. Now we recognize that bullying and harassment is still incredibly important to protect against, and we have policies to address this. But my team also works really closely with, team, uh, with other teams at the company to develop new products and features for teenagers. And that's the second component of how we address this. Um, of course, our team includes experts in online safety, child development, digital literacy, and there's a number of features that we've announced recently in this regard. Parents participating in supervision on Instagram can access total time spent 
and daily time limit controls when they're looking at a particular teen account they're supervising. They can also set specific hours for when their teen cannot use Instagram, and they can customize those hours by the day of the week. And this feature is called scheduled breaks. It's been really exciting to work on parental supervision tools at this company for Instagram. We also rolled them out for Quest headsets earlier this year. And that's a really valuable way to create dialogue between parents and teens about how to be using our platforms in a safe way. We also now default people under 16 into private accounts on Instagram, um, and we also nudge teens to look at different content if they've been scrolling on the same topic for some time. And this is just a, these are just a couple of the many features and products we've rolled out over the last couple of years in hand in hand with some of the policies that we've been putting in place. And then the final piece of this is really the partnerships that we develop. These partnerships are very key to complementing our expertise and to support teen safety beyond our technologies alone. So one example of this is Meta's free digital literacy program that we've developed with experts um, targeting teachers, students, and parents. And this digital literacy program includes lesson plans, conversation starters, activities, videos, other tools to help young people develop the skills they need to navigate and thrive in today's digital world. We also have lessons for educators through our Get Digital Literacy Program to teach young people about digital citizenship. For students, we have various activities that reinforce and expand on the digital skills they're learning. And we make this program available to both parents as well as other caregivers to start conversations with their kids about how to stay safe online. Another element of partnerships is really the co-design process that we've developed to inform how we build out our products and policies, which I talked about a little earlier. And over here, we've been using a multidisciplinary research approach that invites people to participate as collaborators in our design process, thereby empowering them to have their say and ensuring that our products are meeting their needs. We've built on a multi-year effort from the TTC labs to design for young people's safety and privacy across different meta technologies. And we've conducted co-design sessions with teenagers and parents and experts in markets as diverse as the United States, the United Kingdom, Ireland, Brazil, Japan, and India. And when we've conducted user research with young people and parents, we've always had really positive, interesting feedback from that process. But this new program is really a collaborative space to actively be designing with young people and their caregivers by co-creating some of these products and policies with them. Um, I, we have a number of other partnerships that I can go into, but these are some of the partnerships that I'm really proud of um, that really help complement the work we do around both our policies as well as our products. Oh yeah, it is. I love the fact that we are really kind of co-creating with these different partnerships and that the different partnerships we have are helping not only to shape the products that we're building, but also the policies that kind of govern what the experiences are like. And, you know, for me personally, like I love the new features like nudges, um, you know, that's been encouraging teens like to switch to a different topic if they're, you know, repeatedly looking at the same type of content and explore. And I, from what I've understood from our research teams that it is really making a difference that I think the last um, data point I heard is one in five teens who saw our new nudges switch to a different topic. 
So to think that we can impact, you know, one out of five to change, that's that's a great start. Of course, there's more room, but it is a really good start. Um, and personally, like on the parental controls, when I sat down with my daughter to have a conversation about like when she could use it and timing, it really opened up a nice conversation for the two of us to kind of come to a mutual agreement about like what our usage should look like. And so it was a really good um, conversation starter as well, just to have that tool. I think it's pretty clear from everything that you've shared that we are doing a ton in this space from a technology perspective. Um, and we're starting to think a lot about how we do the education. And that's such a big role. So can you talk a little bit about the role that education is playing in improving digital literacy for both teens and for their parents? I think that's such an important point. Education really needs to go hand in hand with any technology that we're building, any new policy that's going out. And it's a really important component for young people to have a positive experience online. Um, and that education really isn't just for the young people themselves. It's also for their parents. It's also for caretakers and um, other educators that they may be interacting with. I'm really excited by the Meta Family Center that we launched this year, which is a new space for parents and guardians to set up and access supervision tools. And I referred to these supervision tools a little bit in our earlier, in the earlier part of our conversation. Uh, but our overall vision for this is to eventually allow parents and guardians to help their teens manage their experiences across all of our meta technologies from one central, easily accessible place. But one thing that we heard over and over from all of our experts, our advisors, um, from the parents and the teens and civil society group folks that we work with, was that as important as it is to have these supervision tools, it's really also important to have easily accessible guidance on how to use the tools, not just the technicalities of where to click and what to activate, but how do you have a good conversation with your teens about their online presence with the support of these tools? And we know that this can be really daunting, especially if you're a parent who or a caregiver who didn't grow up with social media. So within the Family Center, um, in addition to guidance on how to use parental supervision and providing easy access to parental supervision, we've also launched a dedicated education hub. And this houses tips and resources for teens and parents, which we developed in partnership with youth and safety experts. Um, for example, we worked with Parent Zone in the UK, uh, WebWise in Ireland, um, the National Association for Media Literacy here in the US, and these articles include uh, resources from experts, um, social media usage tips on how to talk to your teens about social media. And we also include, of course, video tutorials on how to use the new supervision tools. What I really love about these resources is that they really help demystify the practical process of setting up these tools, but also the emotional process of having this conversation with a teen, which can sometimes feel daunting to um, to a new parent or a new caregiver. Yeah, I think we can both agree that education is so important. And I'm really glad to hear that, you know, we're building out these hubs and consolidating all these resources into like a single place for people to access because um, it's helpful. It's really helpful to have the articles, to have, conver to have conversation guides, to learn how to kind of initiate these conversations. So um, that's great. I know we've got, you know, continue to work with our partners to get the word out there about these, you know, about these sources um, of information. And um, I really do applaud the work that you and your team are doing in this area. The other thing in my conversations, you know, that I 
hear parents express concern about is that a lot of times people can end up having unwanted interactions with people on our platform that happen kind of between an adult and a teen. Um, and the teens are just in an uncomfortable position to know how to manage that. So what steps are we taking to prevent this from happening on our platform? I think this is a really critical component of keeping teenagers safe. And there's no one particular site or surface where we can prevent these unwanted interactions from happening. And so we really have to look at the journey of a teen on our platform and at which parts of that journey they may potentially have unwanted interactions with adults that we can prevent. So last year, for example, we began preventing unconnected adults from being able to start a conversation with a teen whom they don't know. Now, there may be good reasons for an unconnected adult to do this. For example, you could be a school coach who has a new team member and you want to send them a message reminding them about practice. But we've chosen to index more strongly towards protection in this scenario. That said, the teen can still initiate a conversation if they need to, but the adult will need to wait for them to do so. We've also developed new technology that allows us to find accounts that have shown potentially suspicious behavior and stop those accounts from interacting with young people. And potentially suspicious behavior can really include, for example, uh, an adult who was recently blocked or reported by a young person. Um, if they, of course, have violated our policies, we would remove them from the platform altogether. But these are broader behavioral signals that we can use to limit their interactions with teens, if it may be concerning. Um, and we're currently training our machine learning tools to understand which are the signals that are most meaningful. So that's not just, for example, public profile content, but also some non-public signals that we can use, which can make our tools more accurate and ensure that they have longevity for us when we're understanding how to control the interaction between an adult and a teen. I love, I really like how we're taking this approach of both like introducing more friction into the system about, you know, preventing the connections to begin with, but then also using, you know, machine learning to recognize behavioral patterns to help it because it really is that combination of like both. Um, and so it's good work that the teams are doing. Um, and I think recently too, we defaulted all accounts for under 16 to private and under 18 in the UK, um, which is a, a good step forward as well. There are just so many issues today um, that people are having to deal with in the real world, as well as online, everything from you know addiction to eating disorders to mental health. I think the list could go on. And when we think about you know protecting people and we think about these topics, you know, how do we how do we protect those more vulnerable or at risk users um, who might be more susceptible to eating disorders or mental health or addiction? And I think limiting, you know, limiting their exposure to this type of content, especially harmful content, it's incredibly important to us at Meta. So there's several areas that we pay, we pay close attention to um, in, in this regard. And the first one is addiction. We don't allow content that attempts to buy or sell non-medical drugs or pharmaceutical drugs. And we do this to encourage safety and deter potentially harmful activities especially towards those who might be most vulnerable and at risk of addiction. 
We also have policies around eating disorders. For example, we don't allow content that promotes, celebrates, or provides instructions or guidance for self-injury. So even if you were to depict an eating disorder, for example, um, you know, extremely bony part of the body or a concave stomach, that's not going to be allowed um, by our policies. And when we see posts where people admit to engaging in an eating disorder, or if someone tries searching for terms related to eating dis disordered eating, um, we may provide resources in some instances, we may blur images that might be potentially triggering. And if it violates our policies, we might actually take it down. Mm -hmm. We also want to be wary of a teen's time management of their social media on their on social media and on their social media um, experiences. And so we have a number of features and policies that work to protect your time online. You know, I think the example of nudges that you talked about before is a really valuable one rooted in behavioral psychology, which has had really good success in other fields. So we're really interested to see how this plays out on our platform. We also have Take a Break, which is a feature that lets someone know when they've reached the total amount of time that they want to spend on Instagram and really encourages them at that moment with expert back tips to take a break from their Instagram experience. And of course, as I mentioned before, we've added features for parents to supervise their teens usage. Um, and then the final topic, you know, that we really think a lot about, and this is just a sampling of the many topics that my team works on, um, is bullying and harassment. Um, this is really important to us, not just for teens, but for all people who are using our technologies. And we are removing hate speech, harassment, threats of violence, other content that has the potential to silence others or cause real world harm. And we recognize that this can impact young people more than others in some cases. So our policies provide heightened protection for people between the ages of 13 and 18. And I think these, this is just a small, um, a small subset of all the policies we work on, but collectively, I think they point to the need for us to be thinking about mental well-being and keeping young people safe on our platforms while still letting them feel empowered and like they have the voice to express themselves and do all the creative, passionate, you know, advocacy, awareness-raising work that they want to do when they come to our technology. Yeah, I think that's such a good way of framing it is like, you know, we want to really help on the mental, you know, well-being of people using the platform. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we foster the creativity and all the goodness that comes out of it. You know, clearly, I think, you know, as you dig into this, these are incredibly complex issues um, and really don't have, you know, easy answers. I'm glad to see that Meta, that I really do feel like we put a lot of resources behind this and we're tackling them head on, you know, and we know that it's not one solution that's going to solve it, that we really need to work with partners all over the world and different stakeholders to really influence so that we have the right products that we're building, as well as the right policies. Um, and I think your team's doing a really um, great job. But, you know, clearly you're passionate about this. You've done a, a lot of work in this area. So I want to just close on, like, by asking you a little bit more of a personal, like, why is this work so important to you and really what what drives you here, you know, about this? Yeah, I mean, you know, as our head of 
youth well-being. It's really very uniquely fulfilling for me to be here at Meta during this time, um, and at a moment in time when we are actively informing the way millions of global young people in our services are understanding and navigating the internet. Um, I'm personally an immigrant woman twice over in, in, in two, three, four, five, multiple different countries. I uh, grew up in Singapore, have lived in a number of different countries since, and so I've had really close lived experience both with being a teen as well as working with both teens and parents in a number of different cultural contexts. Um, I've also personally spent the last, you know, over a decade in trust and safety within technology and understanding how we can be building better products and policies to impact uh, the communities that we serve. And it's, I think the other piece of this when we talk about well-being is that it's really important that we protect the many positive, empowering ways in which young people are using our services, whether it's to see a wide range of body types that they wouldn't necessarily see in other forms of media, um, or to raise awareness about causes that they really believe in and want to advocate for, or to learn more about a different part of the world than the one that they've lived in and always known. I think if we can create a safe online community for them, we can actually make it easier for them to do this work. And that's really motivating. When I think about the impact that meta and our technologies can have on young people, it's, I think, what keeps me here and it's what's kept me here um, so far. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I know I'm so optimistic for the generation that's to come um, because they do, they just want to do so much good. And so I am very, very thankful, as I said before, to your team um, for all the work that they do to create this safe environment so that teens can do the good work that they want to do and advocate for um, the beliefs that they have. Um, again, I just want to thank you for your time today. Really um, great conversation, and it's really nice to hear the work that we're doing. Thank you so much for having me.